fashion influencer and creator of the cult favorite Bag Snob blog, Tina Chen Craig is also the founder of the results-focused skincare brand, You Beauty. Join us as we discuss her best skincare secrets, how she balances running multiple businesses, and how she created Tina Craig Skin in a bottle. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Tina Chen Craig. She is known all across the fashion and beauty spheres as the influencer behind the popular blog Bagsnob. A pioneer of influencer marketing and efficient beauty routines, Tina is also the founder of the results-oriented skincare brand, You Beauty. Questioning the need for multi-step routines, it all began when Tina developed a custom formulation with biochemists, what would later become You Beauty's best-selling resurfacing compound. A multifunctional, high-performance hero product that eliminated unnecessary steps in a skincare routine, word spread of Tina Craig's skin in a bottle, and soon after, You Beauty was born. Partnering with Net-A-Porter at launch, they sold out a year's supply of its product within the first three weeks, and New Beauty immediately became a must-have in every skincare cabinet. Having attributed her love of skincare to her Asian heritage and remaining determined to offer only the most necessary and efficacious products, I can already tell Tina and I are going to have so much to talk about. So Tina, thank you so much for being with me today. And it's such an honor speaking to you. Hi, how are you? Even better that you're here. And uh, <laughs> I'm also really excited that we have like, hey, we're going to have so many more adventures to come. I'm going to see you probably next week in Dallas. Exactly. I'm excited. But I kind of always ask my guests the first same question. I'm curious to hear your answer. Who in a nutshell is Tina? Oh my gosh. Tina is a mother. I think that's always how I see myself first and foremost. And I'm a creator, whether it was creating one of the world's first fashion blogs or creating handbag lines and designing jeans. Mm -hmm. And now my skincare brand, I've always just seen myself as a creative and a creator. And I did create a human being, right? Exactly. No, I mean, (laughs) if not the most important creation of all is is, is a human. So yeah, it's definitely a big one. (laughs) I want to now talk about the beginning of your creation, right? When you came into the world, baby Tina. So where was she born and raised? Baby Tina, I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. I lived there for the first eight years of my life before immigrating to the United States. Wow. Just completely embraced the American. I always, I felt so comfortable when I moved to America, even though obviously as a small immigrant child, there were so many things new and scary and exciting all at once. But I, I just loved being an American. I wanted to be friends with Barbie. I wanted to hang out with everybody I saw on television, embrace the American girl life. But, you know, what I love is as well, there must have been a lot of rituals, especially I know um, your grandma was from Shanghai. And um, were there any, because, you know, 
with Fable and Main, my grandma was a big part of my upbringing, but also the, the story of the brand today, right? Those rituals. Were there any beauty rituals that you can really remember growing up that have stayed with you today? So many. I feel like my entire life, I was prepped and primed to do exactly what I'm doing today. One of my first memories was my grandmother. I'm sure you have these memories as well. I was probably three or four years old, but I just remember it so clearly. She had this plate of food in front of me. She always liked to give me choices. And it was, you can have chicken butt, chicken feet, fish eyeballs, or <laughs> or fish brains. You know, this is because those are all foods that she was trying to train me to like and eat because they were so good for your skin. Everything we did still do everything we ate, everything we drank. It was always to have good skin, to have healthy skin and good for, from the inside out. And we would drink bitter melon water, bitter melon soup. The more bitter it was, the better it was for your body to calm inflammation. So she talked about inflammation 24-7. And in Chinese, we call it huo qi, which is your fire energy. And the Chinese are constantly trying to find the balance, the yin and the yang, the what you call we call homeostasis in our skin and everything in our that we do that perfect balance and she blamed inflammation on everything whether you're sick or if i if i was hung over in college and i you know in the summers when i would stay home in taipei and i'm crawling home at 3 a.m. the next day she would feed me bitter melon soup and say oh you have high inflammation from the alcohol you need to drink this or this high inflammation is going to make you sick Everything she's ever taught me, I've brought into U-Beauty, not just my diet for good skin, but for overall health, wellness, gua sha. That's, she would always come up to me and and if I was sick, she would gua sha my spine because we used gua sha mostly for our bodies. The gua sha for the face thing, that was kind of new and weird that I feel like Westerners adopted to, have, to facial, yeah. but and, and, even, and even somehow boxed it right like this is what gua sha is is face it's yes like, okay, no. yes i mean it's kind of cool <laughs> i guess it's fine just be careful but for us gua sha the actual translation is to scrape toxins and it was to scrape toxins out of your the back of your spine or your lymph she would always go to my neck if i had a headache she would come and scrape my neck back here if i had the flu she would scrape my back mm. and she just used a, a porcelain chinese soup spoon to gua sha. There wasn't all these fancy, expensive gua sha tools. And she had rollers for everything. She had a wooden roller. If she called you into her bedroom as little kids, we'd go, no, no, you go in. Cause we had to roll her the back of her calves. If they were sore, roll her back. You know, she had a roller for her fa- face, one for her head, one for you know, different roller for every part of her body. She was the queen of beauty tools. Gua sha is, you know, it stems from traditional Chinese medicine or TCM. And I think how I'm doing it with Ayurveda, I want a lot of people to learn a little bit more about what TCM means. So can you explain to me from your own upbringing? Traditional Chinese medicine was really ingrained as part of my daily life. We didn't think of it as seeing a doctor. It was just things Mm. that we were taught. It was just common sense. I remember after I had my son, I had a C-section. She called me from Asia and she said, I hope you're drinking your goji berry water that I taught you because, and eat the goji berries because she believed the goji berries, all the seeds inside acted Mm. as sort of a filter to filter out any sort of medication and the, or antibiotics that I was forced to take afterwards, even ginseng water. There was a, there was definitely an elixir for every ailment. And that all stemmed from Chinese medicine. And when I used to say to her, I'm just going to take an Advil. She would say, Advil, well, wouldn't they create that? Four decades ago, three decades ago, this is 5,000 years of 
um, knowledge I'm imparting to you. Drink this, and then it, or if I if I had a sore throat, she had she had her monk make this. Just, I mean, I don't want to say, but it was so gross to me as a kid. It was some sort of ginseng root, and it was bright orange. It tasted. It, to this day, I can vaguely remember that taste. And it was this powder that she would just shove in my mouth. And with all the powder become gooey and I couldn't drink water. You had to just swallow it. And lo and behold, my sore throat would always heal within hours. Mm. So traditional Chinese medicine is also about really listening to your body yep. and not turning to the same, not treating every ailment with the same, you know, pop an Advil, take an antibiotic all those different things that modern medicine tells us to do. It was trying to heal by eating well in the first place. We, she, I called her the bubble gump of soups. There was a, there was a different soup on her stove every single day, whether it was fish soup, bone broth. It was, she could even turn bone broth out of shells of lobsters and crabs. And she would make ham bones and just slowly, slowly cooking her broth all day, every day. There was always some sort of, um, pai butong, which is a pork chop soup, rib soup. She would add different gourds and melons depending on if she wanted to increase your inflammation if, or decrease your inflammation. Yeah. So for for me, traditional Chinese medicine was is still a lifestyle. Yeah. And she had different soups for your period cramps. And after giving birth, we had to drink a specific soup that was made mostly of rice wine and Chinese herbs. Wow. And chicken and sesame oil. We, we drank that every single day for 30 days to shrink, to increase your breast milk. I guess that's where the rice wine comes in the yeast and to shrink your uterus and to bring you back to perfect health. It's all about bringing everything back to that harmony of balance. Yeah. So I, when I, when I think of traditional TCM Chinese medicine, I just think balance Balance. because if your body, everything's in balance, everything's in homeostasis, then you don't get sick. I mean, that's not a, a call to action for anyone listening to start discovering TCM and then realizing these are, you know, you have to, it's a journey, it's a lifestyle. You've got to adopt it. Be it consistent. Is. It's a commitment. But it's a commitment. But the beautiful thing about it is, you know, I, I do, I have TCM practices within my day that I do. I have TEMS, so traditional Arabic Islamic medicine. I have Ayurvedic. These are not discriminatory practices by any means. You just have to, as an individual, take the time to learn, educate, and listen, oh. and 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 honestly reap the benefits because there are so 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 many. It's it's ancient practices, and it's not expensive. And it's not expensive. If you think exactly. about the cost of ginger and bitter gourd, and balancing yeah. the inflammation in your body, yeah, and just really staying away from processed foods. Which, growing up, Taiwan was a subtropical island. My grandmother's from Shanghai, but they immigrated to Taiwan before I was born and there was fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, but certain fruits could cause inflammation. I had a friend who ate fruit all summer long and she gained weight, caused such inflammation. And then she, and then the doctor said to her, she, she fainted because she lacked nutrients because all she ate was, was just fruit. fruit, which is high <laughs> in sugar, yeah. which was very high in inflammation. So if you ate too many mangoes or lychees, then you have to drink some ginger water to balance it. And it goes to exactly balance, right? It's like moderation, balance. balance. It's all about finding that balance in life. Exactly. Yes. She drank, my grandmother, she drank one small brandy or a glass of wine every single day of her life until she passed at age 96 and the last thing she drank 96 two glasses of champagne were the last two things that she it was mother's day may 8th and it was 12 Mm. years ago 11 or 12 years ago and she had her kids over and she had a little mother's day party for herself 
drank two glasses of champagne, told my eldest uncle whom she lived with, she didn't feel well. She thinks she drank too much champagne. She had two glasses instead of one and Mm. she never woke up. That's the way to go. Throw yourself a party. Exactly. And, and enjoy life. And she ate wontons. The last meal I had with her, it was the summer before she died. And she ate like eight wontons. She ate meat. That was at 95 years old. Yeah. So now there are all these studies that sees the benefits of eating animal proteins and animal collagen. I was just listening to a podcast, Dr. Will Cole the other day, you should have him on this. And it was a woman who had been studying this and she said, there are certain omegas in animal protein that actually helps the brain. And it's shown that if you eat a pure vegan diet, it could have an effect on your mental health and wellness. And think about your gut and your brain connection as well. There were so many amino acids and benefits in eating animal, high quality animal proteins, not the kind that are now factory created, but grass fed, high quality animal that's the big thing. Like, where do you find? I live in Texas. It's very easy to find grass fed. It's not processed. Or, yeah, it's, it's really inspiring to see as well, like how like we don't like there's a lot of fear, right? In social media content and people tell you remove, remove, reduce, reduce. And eventually we'll get to a point where we're just encouraging. We're kind of like, I would say like we're self-medicating or self like doctoring ourselves through kind of misinformation. A lot of the time, there's a lot of information out there, but sometimes the best information is going back to the roots. So I want to start to go into the U-Beauty journey, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, your initial career. So tell us in a summarized version, because I know there's a lot to go into, but unfortunately this is a X minute podcast. (laughs) So what is some of the highlights of your initial career and especially the blog as well, Bag Snob? After graduating from college, I started a licensing business. It really taught me from doing because I had spent a lot of time in college writing financial decks. I was an international finance major and writing business plans and forecasting and not really doing. And I just actually guest lectured at Columbia Business School exactly a week ago tonight. I guest lectured and I told the students, I said, I don't believe in business plans until you have an amazing idea and a passion for something that you know you love so much. Writing that business plan, it's all projections, right? Mm. And so I feel strategy is more important than having a business plan because sometimes you write a business plan, you're so focused on following the plan, you're not easily able to recalibrate and shift if something like the pandemic happens. Well, no, I got to follow my plan. I got to launch at this store. You know, you have to. So I always say, start with what you love doing. Start with something you believe in that you feel is lacking and that you know can can sell or do. Start there before you start writing down all these plans and projections that are just theories. So I started a licensing company because I noticed that People were wanting a lot of American goods in Taiwan. So I bought American companies and licensed them all over Asia. Then because I was living in Asia as one of the first crop of immigration kids to go home and speak English and Chinese equally well, I was asked to do television shows. So of course, in my 20s, I'm like burnt out living the corporate life, traveling around the world. I said, yes. And so then that led to MTV Asia. I was one of the very first VJs for MTV Asia you know, working with the likes of the Spice Girls on their very first Asian tour, Aqua, Barbie Girl. I mean, you name it. Every band that came through Asia, they probably called me because I spoke English and Chinese. And then I got married and had a baby and started a blog because 
I was obsessed with my baby and I didn't want to go back to work. I was starting to think about what, after I got married, I was really thinking, I can't, this, this can't be the end of my career life. I still wanted to stay busy and creative because I've always been a creator. I had a jewelry line that was handmade that was sold at Nordstrom and various stores. Then a college friend husband suggested we start a blog because I was calling their house after shopping in Dallas and she was living in Boston. I would call and talk about a handbag I saw for 20 minutes. And her husband said, why don't you two start a blog and leave me out of this conversation? And so we started the blog and that's how Bag Snob was born. Again, a lot of these, the series of things that's happened in my life, I always saw opportunities everywhere. And I think that people, oh, you're just lucky. I'm not any more lucky than you, but for you, a passing conversation bit may just be a passing conversation. I could have hung up thinking my friend's husband's crazy. I don't know what a blog is. Mm. Rolled my eyes and moved on, gone to Neiman Marcus and shopped some more. But instead I thought about it. I said, okay, that sounds kind of fun. Let's try it. So every time I talk to somebody, I'm always thinking like, oh, this could be an opportunity. And so I started the blog with her for $20, $10 to buy the name Bag Snob, $10 for the hosting fee. And within two months, I think we made over $450. Me being in both of us, we went to USC business school together. We thought, wow, this is a viable business. But at the time there were no blogs. There were no models to follow. We really had to pave our own way and write the script that now so many bloggers follow because people didn't want to talk to you. Blog was a dirty four letter word in 2005, mm-hmm. which is 18 years ago. And so once we realized that having Google ads translated into monetary income for the blog, we thought, okay, what are different ways? So I had access. I was invited to different stores and to have lunch with Oscar de la Renta or Michael Kors or Donna Karen. So I would ask them, can I interview for my little blog? They said yes, because they really didn't know what a blog was at the time either, but they knew that I was invited as an important shopper. So I used my access, the opportunities I had. It wasn't any more than anybody else that was invited to these luncheons or anyone else that was living in another city, but I just always saw opportunity everywhere. And I think that's been the difference between an entrepreneur who's a doer and someone who waits for things to happen to them. The blog launch, and we were anonymous because being online was you know, scary back then. Like I had no idea that 18 years ago when I was anonymous, that one day I would not only geotag where I'm going to be, but invite people beforehand. Come kidnap me. Come get me. I'll be at Harrods doing a PA, which I am. It was the British who discovered me. So I've always had such a really fondness of the Brits because they were the first to discover Bag Snob. We had this very cheeky way of writing reviews. And if we hated a bag, if we loved a bag, and by being anonymous, we were just all out there. We didn't care. It was Linda Grant and Alexandra Schulman who gave me my first real huge press Linda Grant is still an award-winning author, and she was under the anonymous. She was also anonymous under Furla Girl, and she would write to me, email me, and ask me for advice for bags. I assumed she was a young girl, and finally, she said, "You've got to tell me your name. I'm going to write an essay about you." And I thought, "Oh, she must be in college with an essay," but it turned out to be an article for British Vogue. It was a three thousand word mm. essay for Alexander Schulman, who was fascinated with the world of bloggers, and it was myself and a couple of other bloggers who no longer are in the industry. And that really launched me because that article was translated into hundreds of other Vogue's around the world and and other publications. And that launched Bagsnoff. So I always blame you Brits. Don't blame anyone else (laughs) for the notoriety of Bagsnoff. And yeah, and that led to other opportunities. If I was talking to a designer like Donna Karen, I offered to design a collab 
a, a line of bags for her, DKNY, because bags for DKNY, they, they, I felt they were accessible and they were going to be able to be relatable to everyone because we had, you know, bag snob. We're talking about $30,000 crocodile bags or $10,000 Hermes bag. Not everybody was privy to that, but just because they didn't have money doesn't mean they had didn't have taste. I, in fact, yeah. I always said there was an inverse relationship between money and taste. The more money you have, the less to taste because you don't think about it. You just buy everything. The less money you have, the more you buy at discretion, right? Because you have to really think about it. Yeah. So yeah. for us, democratizing fashion was... Ugh. To the old guard. They didn't want any part of us. They didn't want us around. Uh, fashion brands didn't want us around because we were the unknown. It was the wild, wild west. They didn't know if they let me see a bag, if I'm going to rip it apart or mm. if I'm going to give it a glowing review. But at the same time, they knew a review on Bag Snob will bring eyeballs. The smart PR people knew the eyeballs will come anyway. Exactly. And you Beauty was not was almost a happy accident as well. It's just something that happened at over dinner. Yeah. After, so this was about over five years ago, I was working for many, by then beauty, be, I launched beauty snob. I had actually six blogs as bag snob, beauty snob. Then we had shoe snob and tot snob and couture snob. And, you know, there was just a lot happening. And at one point at the six blogs and we were posting twice a day, it was 12 blogs a day. I was, I was burning out. But beauty snob was actually my true first love. Cause I always felt beauty was something every, every person male or female can identify with. They can take ownership of their beauty. If they they were not interested in expensive handbags or even handbags, period, beauties and skincare was something that everyone thought of at one point in their lives, regardless of their race, gender, age, skin colors, ec- you know, social economic background. Beauty is something that everyone can really take ownership of. I remember at one point in 2007, about 15, oh God, 16 years ago, I wrote about my 13-step routine. I was the first to write about that. Not long ago when I launched You Beauty saying I was going to simplify routines, the journalist said, well, aren't you the one who started it? And I said, yes, and I'm the one that's going to end it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was traveling around the world, working with different brands, launching some of the biggest brands. Um, I launched, I helped Charlotte Tilbury when she came to Dallas. I hosted her launch and I've worked with brands like Augustinus Botter. I'm friends with Barbara Sturm. And I've worked with every brand, you name it, La Prairie. I was I was rebooting heritage brands like Clay de Poe. I still loved that brand. I still work with them on an organic capacity as a true friend of the brand. I no longer take paid campaigns for obvious reasons. Yep. And so I was at dinner with a friend and she is a private labeler. She and her husband and their family, they've been in business for generations since his grandmother. And they have access to medical grade labs around the world. And she and I were just catching up, having dinner. And she asked me what I was doing. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm traveling around the world with this brand, rebooting it, doing different things. And I, I, and she said, well, what, what, what products are you into? You know, What's new? What's innovative? And I said, you know, between you and me, there's really no innovation these days. It's yeah. just pretty packaging, another ingredient story. And at that point, I was in my mid forties and I said, and I can't use active ingredients because I've been using my face as a science project. You trying every different thing. And if I just look at retinol, my face would break out in rosacea. And I was really worried because I'd never done laser resurfacing. I still have never done laser resurfacing. And I knew though that retinols were so good for the skin to help regenerate collagen synthesis and increase the health of the skin and your body makes its own vitamin A, but as you age, you lose it. So you do need topical things to help. 
I said, but I can't use it. It was really frustrating for me. So at that point, I was just using layers and layers of different serums, calming serums, and then creams and oils. But that can only take you so far. You know, you need active ingredients, but I, yeah. I couldn't use them. And I was frustrated. And she said she was frustrated herself because as a private labeler and working and helping different brands create different products, people or brands would just tell her, it's fine, it's fine. Use that use the one we did last time, just find a more sustainable bottle. Let's change the bottle, change the label. We'll resell it, market it in different ways. It was all marketing, a bunch of BS. So she was frustrated because she really wanted to come out with more innovation. And I said to her at that, I'll never forget. I said to her, you know, we put men on the moon in 1969. The internet is so intelligent now, right? The phones are listening to us. If I talk about blue jeans for petite girls. I'm going to see an ad on my phone when I hang up, when I leave you. Yeah. If I talk about cauliflower salad, I'm going to see it at the time that there was only Instagram and Snapchat. There was no TikTok. I said, Instagram will probably show me something about cauliflower. Yeah. I said, but the skincare industry has been stagnated for decades since the fifties. There is no true new innovation with still ingredient stories and increasing more actives and you know, dosing your skin until it becomes so sensitive. And mm. then you have to buy something else to, to fix it, the irritation that you just caused. Yeah. So for me, it was just not interesting anymore. I was tired. I was bored. And she said, you know, I've been feeling the same way. And our medical grade lab in Italy, yeah. our chemists, our biochemists, and I have been working on a technology that addresses just that, being able to deliver active ingredients, any active ingredients, only where your skin needs it bypassing healthy skin cells. And I told her, I said, I don't believe that. That's too good to be true. There's, I've never heard of this technology. She said, that's right. Cause it hasn't been brought to life. We haven't even finished it. We're still studying it and we're still testing it. Would you like to come into the lab and do something with your skin? And to me, I thought, Oh, kind of like, you know, getting to design your own Hermes bag. I would love to do that. But at the time I was traveling and it just turned out the biochemists were going to be in LA the exact same 24 hours I was going to be in LA. And so was she. And her sister, who's now our VP of product development, she's also a cosmetic chemist. Mm. In my head, I call it Yun because Yuan Fen, which means karma, destiny in Chinese, and Yun Qi means yeah. luck. So I made my own word. Yeah. And part luck, part destiny, fate meant to be, just like you coming to Dallas next week, the only week I'm here in between New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week. Literally, yes. Right. And so I said, sure, I would love to talk to them. So I landed that day, went to Beverly Hills Hotel, sat down with them, talked about my dream products. And at the time, I still was not going to do a skincare brand. I was in my head, I was going to be the lucky girl who's going to get custom couture products made just for me, just for my skin. So I told them all of my concerns, what I wanted. I wanted glass skin. I wanted to be able to resurface. I didn't want the irritation. I want to be able to deliver active ingredients only where my skin needed it, not where it didn't. Obviously, the eye area is very um, fragile, and I wanted to be able to use to, you know, if, if you look at your face, your face is comprised of thousand different kinds of cells. It's very fragile here, a lack of sebaceous glands. Then your T-zone, heavily sebaceous. And then you think about your chin area and then the sides of your face and your cheeks. And it's all different. So why are we treating all the same? And, but of course, you can't buy 5,000 products just for the face, right? <laughs> so I always felt technology just never caught up with my brain. And at that point, I just wanted to create one product, amazing product that I couldn't find. So then I finished, I went back to work, went to, back to Texas to see my son. Then I flew to Paris Fashion Week and they delivered and from Italy, they sent me my first little Tina Craig bottle that was just a white bottle and it said Tina Craig on it. And I got there on a Tuesday, went to Dior show and by Friday, the Balmain show, three days, hmm. my skin changed. 
And at that, by then, everyone had been traveling from New York, London, Milan, Paris. That's how the fashion circuit goes. Everyone's exhausted. And they they looked at me at the front row, my friends, and some of the supermodels I knew backstage and the designers, every single person who ran into me that week said, why are you glowing? It's so unfair. And first of all, you know, everyone calls me mom because I'm older yeah. than these young influencers. And they said, mama, what are you putting on your skin? And I pulled out my little sample and they were like, what is that? Tina Craig's skin in a bottle? I want to try some. I said, okay, let me see. So I called Katie, my friend. And I said, do you guys, can we make more samples? All my friends want to try this. So we made more samples. And then as I was traveling around the world, going to fashion things, I would hand them out to beauty influencers, to add, to fashion editors, beauty editors, supermodels, celebrities, people who were also very well-versed in beauty and who had access to the best products in the world for free. And we're also frustrated. And at night, we're just slathering their hair with their face with Aquaphor and calling it a nay and going to bed, right? The incredible thing was everyone mm. was able to use it. Yeah. And everyone had different results. For someone like Brian Boy, because he's wow. very heavily sebaceous, oily, he had adult acne prone skin and he he saw different results than me, who is I'm older and I, I was addressing laxity. I wanted mm-hmm. tightening. I wanted different things. And then the magic, the really that happened, miracle, I'm not going to say magic, it's science. Yeah. I, it was when my son was 13, he's 18 now. And it was that summer, we were back in Asia and he had forgotten all the heavy tretinoin and, and teen acne medication that he got from his doctor. And I said, you want to try this? It was my little compound because I knew a friend of mine had shown up, knocked on my door when we were traveling and I pumped some in her hand and she put it on this cyst that she had. And the next morning, the redness was gone and she was freaking out. And so he said, all right, fine. So he took it. I never saw that bottle back. He used it all summer. And now, and now at 18, he has the most beautiful skin. And that's when I knew, I said, this, I said, something's going on. How is my 13 year old able to use it? And me in my forties able to use it at the time. And then my friend who's a designer and she's older and able to use it, but then someone in their twenties and someone in their thirties, like I said, this is crazy. So I said, I really need to talk to, so I talked to the biochemist and I said, that's, that's what it is. We didn't have a name. It was still just, you know, my compound, the Tina Craig compound. They said, because we allow your own skin to dictate where the actives are delivered. It's the first sub sub topical and AI driven skincare or skin product. And I said, what do you mean? They said, because Our technology, and we call it the siren capsule, unlike any other encapsulation where it just bursts open, the the minute you apply it, all capsules will burst open somehow, whether it's time released or whether it's right away, it's going to burst all over without discriminate, discretion, like trying to decide where it's healthy or not. Non-discriminative, that's what I'm trying to say. It would spread all over the skin. With ours, it has to be able to only burst open when there's free radicals present. Mm. And the technology is so simple and so genius. So basically, this is our, I'm just going to show yeah. it to you real quick. This yeah. is our this is our siren capsule. This is your skin. The pearly whites are your healthy yeah. skin cells that don't need active ingredients and just need the calming oat extracts and oils that are so good for protecting it as an occlusive layer, bringing moisture. Yeah. The beads, the heavy, the metal beads are the damage causing free radicals, which we all have. We're all born with a certain yeah. amount of free radicals because skin is trying to find homeostasis. As we age, free radicals overtake the healthy skin cells and then you lose the balance. Your skin has micro tears and then you age, you get wrinkles, laxity, all of that fun stuff, right? Wow. Our siren capsule attracts yeah. the damage causing free radicals to it like a magnet. Why? Because our 
Siren capsule mimics a healthy skin cell. Free radicals are constantly traveling to attack healthy skin cells to try steal healthy molecule. That's what they do, right? So they're tricked into thinking this is a healthy skin cell because we've made it more easily collapsible, yummier. Mm. And so they think, oh, this is easy access. Just like any, it's just, it's just science, right? They're going to go for the easier access when they realize this is easier to penetrate. So when they penetrate through the capsule wall, the capsule bursts open, releasing active ingredients only where there's damage, only where there's free radical activity. Got it. So it, it neutralizes the free radicals, stops them in their place, and reverses the damage actually right there where you need it, not where your skin doesn't. So that was so crazy to me. And then one of the testers was Billy Farisee from Net-A-Porter. She said, you know, I'm doing, I'm overseeing beauty. And that's when I told her about this little compound. So she goes, let me try it. So I go, fine. So I gave it to her. She took it back and she goes, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. It didn't do anything. I said, okay, what else are you using? Because you got to trust me. You have to stop using everything else. Just wash your face, use the compound, and then use all the moisturizers and oils that you want to. But as far as all your serums, you don't need it because this will replace six to eight other things. So she trusted me. So she did it. And within three days, she called me on WhatsApp from the Net-A-Porter offices. And she said, the girls at the office are going bananas over my skin. What did you give me? We want to sell it. And I said, you want to sell it? I don't even have a name. I'm just trying to make the best product I couldn't find. So I called Katie and I said, Net-A-Porter wants to sell this. Uh, we don't even have a name. Can we meet? So we flew to New York yep. and we sat down and said, is this a brand? What does a brand look like now? Us being mothers of teenagers who call us boomers and mm. without adding to the noise, adding to the confusion. Without, so we really wanted to be thoughtful, efficacious. And what would this look like? And what, what's the name? You know, so once we defined that this was a brand, what is the brand promise? We're never going to be adding to the cosmetic confusion. We're only going to give you the most highly efficacious products without causing irritation and mm. improving the skin's long-term integrity, not breaking it down, promoting the health of the skin, promoting the balance of the skin. So once we've defined that with the promise, because the brand is a promise, right? So when yeah. people know that Tina Craig's going to come out with something that once who followed me for 18 years, they know the promise of that brand and they're going to trust me and they're going to buy it yeah. or follow my, my advice and use something. And once we've defined that, we thought, okay, so what are the value drivers? What, how is this brand going to work? And then we, then we had to express the brand because the brand is really like a person, right? It has characteristics, personality, what are the values that people can I Because people will buy brands that they align their own values with. Exactly. So then we thought, we don't have a name. How do we express this brand? What's it going to look like? And Katie really drives that. For me, it's all about what's inside the bottle of You Beauty. Yeah. And for Katie, it's like the packaging, the sustainability and everything else. And so I work on what's on the inside. And yeah. we that by then had proven to be, by then we'd been testing the compound for about a year. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, so we should call it you beauty. That's a name she'd always held in the back of her head. She thought you beauty because it's about you. We wanted to give yeah. the power of your skin back to you. And so once we thought that and we were like, okay, what does the logo like look like? And I said, we need glass because glass is most sustainable. And I was screaming it. And she really said, she had to school me. She said, you know, the bottle has to be light. It's light sensitive because the siren capsule technology has to be in an airless pump to mm. retain the integrity of the proprietary ingredients inside the active, inside the siren capsule. So what are you going to do? Get a glass bottle, line it in plastic. And then, you, then what about the pump? You would render that bottle no longer um, sustainable or recyclable. So she had to talk me off that ledge and explain the most sustainable way is using recycled materials and 
then having the entire thing be recyclable. When it's done, just yeah. drop it in your recycle bin. So when we launched in 2019, finally, it was so different from any other luxury brand. Big brands had these heavy, thick paper and heavy, thick, expensive feeling material. And some of my snob followers even said, this doesn't feel very snobby, you know, but now since the pandemic, people living at home going, wow, there is so much waste. I just want, just give me the product. I don't need all the other stuff. Right. Exactly. And so we were actually a, trend, a leader in this sustainability movement. And our lab in Italy is a hundred percent CO2 free. Even our lights are kept on with green energy. It's powered by green energy. So we were the first luxury skincare brand to get the butterfly mark from positive luxury in the UK. And they vetted everything we used from the water source, the supply chain. Once we went for that butterfly mark, so many brands have followed us and I love it. So that's how we started the brand in a nutshell. And I always say when you start a brand, you know, there's certain ways you should define the brand and, and position the brand, express it, then go to market and then measure what the brand did. And we measure, well, obviously it was a bang out. It was, we sold out in 21 days. And so if you look at, we didn't incorporate until after because we just no thought way. we'll just sell one product, Instagram. <laughs> when people think I had this huge plan of working for yeah. 15 years with skincare brands and then launch and methodically and, you know, no, this was, some, I saw an opportunity to yeah. make the best product I couldn't find. And so I went for it. So then we incorporated and, and at that point I was already working on a moisturizer because I knew I wanted, I wanted a moisturizer that, oh, that made me glow like a five-year-old. You should hear the way I speak to my biochemist. That very first meeting in LA um, five years ago, I gave them a list of dream products and we've been kind of slowly working them down up till now. It's been five years, even though we launched three years ago. So it was two years of developing, but the technology they had been studying for at least five years. So now the technology has been 10 years. And I told them yeah. I wanted Spanx for the arms, you know, and I, I wanted a hydrate, a glow hydration moisturizer that would make me glow like a five-year-old. And I wanted a lip product that truly, truly would smooth and hydrate all day, all night, but also glow and look like lip gloss. You know, that's the plasma. And I wanted to cut down on my triple cleanse. I wanted to be able to have one great face wash that could condition the skin and protect the skin and and protect the microbiome, you know, everything that I learned from my TCM background and my Chinese grandmother. So all of these products are coming to fruition slowly because I am psychotic. If it's not perfect, I won't come out with it. The cleanser took us the longest so far because it was like 17 rounds of formulations with many different um, versions of each. So you're looking at a hundred, over 150 samples. So in my team, whenever I can't get past something, I'm like, I just can't approve this. They'll say, is this a thing where it's like the cleanser where we're going to do hundreds <laughs> is it cleanser of formulations and then you're going to say no? And I said, yeah, maybe. It still sure. might be. But, and rightly so, right? That it takes yeah. as many as it needs to get it perfect because exactly, you know, you're building a brand based on the products, right? It's not Correct. about um, anything else. And that's actually the most powerful um not only uh, I think a business, generally speaking, from an like a, a efficacy perspective, but just really as a founder, right? That's when you see the most value when um, you feel confident enough, exactly as you did, to invest first in sampling, getting it into people's hands, and try the product. Then they'll see. Not this whole right. let's mask it with amazing campaigns and visuals and this. And you have to do yeah. that, but that's like there's too many brands doing that. It literally was 
by demand, yeah. by crowdsourcing. They're like, we want yeah. this. And I was yeah. like, okay. So like, All right, I'll create these samples. <laughs> I was actually really shocked because I just thought, mm. wait, you're selling so many things. What do you want? What? They're like, there's, there's nothing like this. And even now hearing it, like obviously I have tried the product, it's amazing. But even like the educational element of this magnet and the way you've explained it to me, because I take it for granted sometimes as, as a skincare user. And sometimes rightly so, right? Like we, we, we hear about it, we believe in it, we try it. But once you yeah. educate yourself and you learn about it, like there is so much innovation here that I've learned today, oh, for example, that I'll be an advocate now so for that. Fun. But you made it also very simple, very digestible. So simple, right? Think about it. Some, it's just like the iPhone yeah. to, to really create it was so complicated, but it's the easiest thing to use in the world. I could use this as this is my laptop when I travel. I don't even bring this thing that I'm exactly. on right now, right? Exactly. So we always look at the iPhone, the innovation to how do we simplify people's lives and not add to the noise? And how do we really create the most efficacious? And I call this simplify your life, amplify your skin. Oh, just I love even that. that initial marketing was so simple. Everything is just simple, but yet so smart. It's like saying work smarter, not harder. This is something that. Hopefully, uh, we'll get into more, exactly as we said before, right? More and more industries, and especially in the beauty industry, we'll see a lot more innovation. Setting the standard. Standard. So, I mean, in terms of now the future of U-Beauty, um, sort of what, what can you share? What is your vision map for this? So we're launching a new product this week, and I'm so excited. This is a product that is the number one most requested product. People were asking me for this even before my U-Beauty journey. They were like, you know so much about this. Why don't you come out with an eye cream? There's no good eye creams out there. They're either too watery or too thick. They don't work. They make my eyes water. And I just rather use my lotion, and I don't feel like I need to buy another eye cream. But unless you come out with one. And I've, I've heard that for a decade from people who follow me. And then after I started U Beauty, they kept saying, I hope you're doing an eye cream. I hope you're doing a cleanser. And they kept asking. And now we've launched U Beauty three years and two months ago. And finally, we're launching our eye cream. It's called the Return Eye Concentrate. Yay. Basically, a return on your investment, returned to your yeah. youthful, healthy skin, and it's the most innovative product. It yeah. has a double siren capsule technology. It has the macro siren that deals with what you see, just like a, a, like a magnifying glass, right? You see, you want to see the healthy, glowy skin. and But also it has a bio siren that has a biomimetic yeah. plankton that mimics the body's own natural collagen and able to really protect the skin and deal with the stagnant fluid because as leaky vessels is <laughs> I this a word in my head all the time the minute I learned it I freaked out and figured we got to deal with this so as you age your vessel vascular walls become weakened and usually the normal cycling of waste that comes from healthy circulation becomes stagnant. And a lot of that waste leaks out and it just becomes stagnant fluid. So as you age, your eyes get puffier and puffier. If you look at a child, they wake up and everything's perfect, right? But yeah. then you look at an 80 or 70 or 60 or even a 50 year old, like yeah. myself, like you see the stagnant fluid. So it's able to address that and help yeah. eliminate the waste and help pro pr help promote better circulation and also has the glow. So on the outside, so everything yeah. I do, I'm always interested in what's happening on the outside as well as the inside. So I do double testing. Most, most brands that I've worked with in the past, they just do testing on the surface wow. of the skin. And from the beginning, I've always said to my lab, my chemist, yeah. I said, I need to know what's happening beneath the skin. I want to know everything inside and the outside. I want to know where the cryptic damage is. How is it affecting the cryptic damage? And and they were like, well, you would think she's the doctor, you know, she's telling us what to do, but no, they love it. They're like, yes, absolutely. They agreed. 
And so we always do double the testing of everyone else. The clinicals are so important to me, keeping everything. Cause I want to, you know, cause I'm the front facing, I'm the face of the brand as well. I'm the front facing person. People come to me directly and challenge me. Well, you said this, so I have to answer to my followers that trusted me for almost two decades. So having the double clinicals, I go, well, here are the clinicals, you know, here you go. Exactly. (laughs) Science doesn't lie. And so that's coming up and I'm very excited for it. That's very exciting. And yeah, and it's an exclusive at Harrods in the UK for the first two weeks. So go by Harrods and look at our counter space. So I'm going to go check it out. And when I'm back in London from my trip, anyone listening, please head over to the bio. There's a link in there that will direct you straight to UBT's website where you can try the return eye cream. And trust me, it's a game changer. And yeah, if you're in Harrods as well, go check out um, it as well. So one thing I want to talk about is, and I heard this and it's super fascinating that you have a talent agency on the side of doing all of these things. So tell me about that. About... Five or six years ago, I decided to part ways with my agency, my manager, and I thought I would just bring a team in-house. That's what a lot of the, a lot of the influencers were doing. It's a smart way to really just manage you because a lot of the contacts came from me directly. And I wanted to hire this brilliant woman away from my friend who owns a PR agency. And she said to me, no, 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 no. You can't steal her, but we want to talk to you. And I said, Okay. And they said, why don't we start an agency together? You having done it, all of it, and my other partner, Suzanne, who owns one of the top PR agencies in the U.S. Southwest, and then Lindsay, who is an attorney by education and has been doing this, creating social media strategies for celebrities and influencers in L.A. and around the country for many years. And I said, oh, that's kind of fun. I said, so create just so mentor the talent the way I've been doing anyway for a lot of the influencers, the baby influencers that I had met along the way and always give them advice. And I said, that sounds really fascinating. I would love to do that because I love number one, telling people what to do. (laughs) I'm very bossy. (laughs) And the idea of being able to mentor the up and comers or even established ones so that to make sure they're protected and not being taken advantage of by brands and utilizing my relationships. That just sounded like fun. So we did, we started it and our first sign was Diet Prada back in the day. And then we also signed a lot of different, and we were really active in thinking we wanted to stay small. We never wanted to become Mm -hmm. an agency that serviced hundreds of influencers. We wanted to keep it really small initially, but like we capped, we were like, let's just have 35 and really make each one of these the star. And so, you know, a lot of these agencies, they just sign everybody and hope 50 of them out of 50 out of the 500, as you know, from your background, working at Dior Beauty, you know, these agencies, they'll throw a bunch of people at you and they say, but we've got this one really big converter, but you've got to take on all these other people, right? You know, that deal, the package. We wanted everyone, just like we want you beauty, every single product to be a hero product. We wanted every single influencer we sign to be a hero influencer, to be a true converter and to be someone who had long lasting um, a career. And that's how we've done things. And we look at so many different things, not just their following, not just their numbers, but how engaged are they in their community? How how loyal is their following and how well they're able to communicate and educate the story of the brand and really become a true partner for the brand. That's how I've always worked. That's why the brands I've worked with from 18 years ago still come to me. That says something. And I'm like, I'm a dinosaur. (laughs) I'm on TikTok as the mom, right? It's my Gen Zer that should be on there. I'm an 18 year old. And so that's how I've always led my career. And that's, so that's how we started. And it's been such an exciting journey to be a mom to everybody because I only have one son. So I get to mother everyone. (laughs) 
And I think with love and nurture to each one, right? You wouldn't do the same approach with your children. So it's the same, it's exact same, I guess, um, feeling, right? When it comes to your talent. Yes. But for anyone listening that, you know, might be, there might be some executives in big companies or uh, brand estate founders. Estate five talent estate, agency. We have offices five. in Dallas and New York. State five. Uh Well, I'll put the link in the bio too, so you can check it out and learn more about it. Yeah, we'll talk to you about Fable and Maine too. Please, done, deal. Tina, we're going to start going into fire round questions soon, but I have a desert island situation for you. So uh, it's going to be a very mean one. You probably know what's coming, but you're coming to a desert island. Imagine a founded beauty retreat, but TSA is being really strict and they're saying you can only bring one U Beauty product. So what is your go-to on this island? Is there sunshine on this island? There will be sunshine. Yeah. Well, then I'm, I have to take my multimodal defender with SPF 30 because it's more than just a sunscreen. It also mm. corrects past light and photo and sun damage. It defends and for the future and it hydrates and moisturizes. And so it's literally the best thing. You're going to have a lot of founders fighting you for that jar, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's... <rare. laughs> it's a, it's athletes love it. Guys love it. Oh, really? I up, yes. Oh, it's so cool. Anyone who spends any amount of time in the sun, because I, I asked my chemist, mm. I said, I want to be able to lighten and brighten the sunspots while you're protecting it. So I wanted to do all these multiple actions. Yeah. So it's a corrector, it's a defender, yeah. it's an SPF, protects you from UVA, UVB. Because we use nano zinc oxide, which is the safest physical sunblock, you can have it on your skin 24-7. So at night I use it as a wow. spot treatment. Wow. Also, I saw it's got blue light rays. It also helps from blue light, which is great for all the screen. Blue light, yeah. infrared, all of it. Amazing. Oh my God. Okay. Well, that's another one to check out too. And all the products you guys need to check out. So now fire round. So three questions I'm going to ask you. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. So the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? Um, yours. Uh, yeah, I love it because I discovered it in a beauty box. Someone sent me a beauty box and I thought, what is this brand? It was so chic and I never, and I opened it and went, oh my God. And I even told your PR, can you send me the candle? Yeah. I just love the way it smells. It's- the smell. So fun story with the smell. I, I used to work at Dior for many years in the head office. Oh, um, you did? So I wasn't in PR. So there was like Fanny. Do you know Fanny? Yes, of course I know Fanny. Yeah, so Fanny was like my counterpart of PR and I was in digital. Um, and I was there for about three and a bit years. And uh, one thing I was telling my CEO and my GM that I was thinking about building this brand. And, and then I was quite open about it while doing both jobs. And then Franco Damashi, who's the, the nose, who was the nose of Dior, who created all the scents. He actually, um, uh, he was good friends of mine. And he said, I've always wanted to create a smell inspired by India and I never got to. Can I create it for you as a gift? Oh my God, see, I have chills. Yeah. Meant to be, you were meant to have yeah. that job. You were meant to be with this person. I was meant to. And that opportunity, you took it. Yeah. I mean, I love that. It's, it and, smells and that's the thing. so good. Uh, going back to you see opportunities, right? And you never know um, if you don't ask, you don't, or you're not curious to to dream in those exactly. moments. You don't, it's your you, own don't, fault. you don't see those opportunities. I always say to people, I, when I guest lecture, I'm like, just ask. The worst, what's the worst they can do? They can say no, but whatever they say no yeah. you and the end of they say no they might point you in another direction or ask That's a different another, question you know? or ask someone else you know find exactly. someone who get get i'm i'm a person who gets people to a yes <laughs> <laughs> I, exactly. And, and I think the best way to get them to say yes is also put yourself first in that position. Correct. What would incentivize Absolutely. them? What would motivate them to say yes? It's very true. I love that. Um, my next question is, do you have a favorite quote or like a saying that you keep close to your heart? I think just that, that there are no coincidence, coincidences in life. Now you've made me stutter over my words. Okay? I know. <laughs> <laughs> there are no <laughs> coincidences in life. 
I see opportunities everywhere. Yeah. Just seize, seize every opportunity. I love that. And my last question is, if you weren't currently a beauty entrepreneur, what do you think Tina would be doing right now? Selling bags. <laughs> Still be, I'd be designing bags, designing shoes, pretty much what I'm doing yeah. now, but not in beauty, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're so intertwined anyway. But, yes, um, but still in this business for sure. Just because I just love it. I love the yeah. creation. I love sharing. And I've always said, mm. if only one person followed me, I would still do this because it's fun. If only one person was reading and listening. And, and honestly, even if it was probably yourself on your burner account following yourself, you still probably would do it. Because I'm us, having you know? so much fun. I just love what I do. I oh. I feel so blessed. It's when you enjoy what you do. It's it's not work, right? It, well, it is work, but there's nothing wrong with it that. Is it's still good work. work. You know? it's, yes. It's always, I don't want to be like, work. oh, it's got to be um, fun. But yeah. work is yeah. fun. If you really enjoy it. And, and as you said, back to everything balance, right? Balance. It's all about being with that balance. Yes. Tina, I'm so excited to meet you next week in person. Um, and we're going to have so much fun. But for everyone listening that wants to continue following you, where can they continue um, on social, the links, and obviously UPT as well? What I'm just Tina Chen Craig on Instagram and TikTok, the Follow You Beauty. You Beauty, I pop over there often. You can follow us both, but really you should follow You Beauty. You Beauty on TikTok, just at You Beauty at Instagram. Follow, follow both. I mean, why not? You already, if you guys are already going out there, just tap follow on both of them. But I'm going to put the links in the bio again, so it's going to be super easy to tap. And anyone listening, go check out the You Beauty's eye cream, eye concentrate. It's amazing. And Tina, I'm so proud of you and so happy to have known you in the industry. And we're going to do many things and collaborate together. And it's just Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.